Now, the closest to mountain climbing I guess I've ever been, on foot anyway, is down at Wildcat when we were teenagers and kids, we used to go down there and we thought we were really in the big time when we'd climb up the side. Thought we were doing something, you know, climbing up the side of the hills and all that. Now, since, since I've grown up, become a little smarter, I looked at some of that and I think, man, I wasn't very smart, was I? I, I think, you know, the trails have surely deteriorated since I was a kid, thinking that, that was, you know, it was all safe and all that. But anyway, really, I've never been a mountain climber. Now, has anybody in here ever really, really went mountain climbing? Seriously, anybody? Well, what about not necessarily in the physical, but what about in the spiritual? How many have ever had to climb a mountain or two in the spiritual? I think we've probably all experienced times where we felt like we had to just keep climbing and maybe it didn't feel like there was really very good footing or there really wasn't anything to grab a hold of, but we just kept climbing. You know, I, I've seen, seen some of the documentaries and, I, I, you know, you see some of that stuff about some of these mountain climbers and, and how they scale these scale these hillsides and how they do it. I'm thinking these guys are, they might be missing a brick or two. I don't know. But, but, but the things that they do are pretty amazing. But I want us, this morning, I want us to understand that in life, if we're ever going to get anywhere, we're going to have to climb some mountains. I've yet to see a person's life that didn't ever have anything that they had to try to overcome. Title of my message this morning is, is Mountain Climber. It originally was different, but this morning, as I was in here this morning, that just kind of popped out, so I changed the title, which didn't change anything, just the title, because I liked it better. Mountain Climber. Take your Bibles out, if you will. <coughs> just hold them up. This is God's Word for me today. We're going to be in Joshua. Joshua chapter 14, we're going to be talking about an extraordinary mountain climber this morning. Joshua chapter 14, beginning at verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kizanite said to him, <coughs> You know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your feet has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, <coughs> these 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses. Now, if you're, very, if you're pretty good at math, you can add 40 and 45. So here we have an 85-year-old man. While Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am this day... 85 years old. I am still as, now listen to this, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. 
and my strength now <coughs> is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now, give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. See, he didn't ask for something easy, did he? He said, give me the hill country. For you heard on that day how Anik, the Anakim, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron <coughs> to Caleb, the son of Jephneth, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephneth, the Kenzanite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron, formerly known as Kira Abra, Abra was the greatest man among the Anakin, and the land had rest from war. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we thank you that you are with us. Your grace is enough. You are enough today to help us to be mountain climbers. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, as we do, thank you, as we go back through a little bit of the, the Jewish history, there were two men in a, in a whole generation that achieved greatness before God. There were two men among the millions that traveled from Egypt that were notable at this time. There were two men that wholly followed and trusted in the Lord God. Besides Moses, there were only two. You see, Caleb said in this scripture <laughs> that we read, he said, I am 85 years old and I'm just as strong now as I was then. Why do you think Caleb could say that when he was 85? I'm 55 and I'm telling you, I'm not as strong as I was when I was 25. I, I, I am not. I could have whooped you when I was 25. I ain't saying nothing now, but I could have whooped you when I was 25. But I'm just saying, Caleb was so sure of the promise of God in his life that he says, I'm 85 years old and I haven't lost a step. Try me. My dad told me one time, he said, you'll, he said, you'll never be able to take me. One, I was scared to, and two, when I got, he got to the point where I thought I could, I wouldn't even have thought about it. Caleb says, listen, I'm as ready now as I was 40 years ago when God... See, see Caleb had, had to be so disappointed in the, in the other ten, in the ten spies that went with him and Joshua. You see, God took one from each tribe. Moses picked one from each tribe and said, you guys go spy out the land. Go in there and, and, and find out all the things about the land, <coughs> the good and the bad. Let us know what it's all about. And so when Caleb and Joshua came back, they were excited. See, there's a tale of two different groups. There were the excited and the beat down. You see, because the enemy comes against us, and, and it, your outlook is, is so important because Joshua and Caleb saw the very same thing that the other ten did. Joshua and Caleb experienced the very same experience that the other ten did. But Joshua and Caleb came back excited because they trusted God to fulfill His promise. And the other ten doubted. 
And the sad thing was, a whole nation was turned away from God because of doubt. A whole nation wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of doubt. And I think sometimes we have to look at our own lives and we have to look at, at how we looked at something when God, <coughs> when God presented it to us. Did we look at the challenge with excitement? Or did we look at the challenge with doubt? When the mountain presents itself to us, are we going to begin to climb or are we going to sit around the base of the mountain and say, well, that mountain can't be climbed. That victory can't ever be won. That person can't ever come to know Christ. That, that situation can never be changed around. Or do we start climbing the mountain saying, okay, God, you've said to go up this mountain, so I don't really know how I'm going to get there. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. But all I know is you said go. And I'm going to start climbing. And I'm going to use whatever tools you give me along the way, God. Maybe you're going to give me a pick and a whatever, and I'm going to climb. <coughs> or maybe you're just going to have me go up barehanded. And bare, but no matter what, God, you said to climb it. And if you told me to climb it, then that means your grace is enough, right? That means you are going to help me to get there. Just a little joke, and this isn't mine, but you, you might like it. A honeymooning couple was passing through Louisiana. As they approached Lafayette, they started arguing. I, I don't hardly believe that, but they started arguing about the pronunciation of the town's name. They argued back and forth until they reached town, where they decided to stop for lunch. As they stood at the counter, the man said, Before we order, could you please settle an argument for us? Would you very slowly pronounce where we are? The guy behind the counter leaned over and said, Burger King. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the lesson, but I thought it was pretty funny. So I ask you, do you have spiritual goals? I think we probably all have life goals to some extent. Maybe we don't aren't the type that plans out everything, but, but we let's say we have some life goals. Maybe you have a goal of retiring someday. Maybe you have a goal of going someplace that you've never been. <coughs> Maybe you have a goal of having X amount of dollars in the bank. Maybe you have a goal of this. And that, those are all good goals. There, there's nothing. You need to have some goals in life. But let's not overlook spiritual goals. Let's not overlook the fact that, that we are on a journey in this life, and it's more than the physical. It's more than the natural. We're also, in the, in the spiritual realm, we should have goals. What is it that you would like to see for yourself at the end of this year, spiritually? As you go throughout this year, what are some things that you would like spiritually to see happen in your life, in your home, in your circumstance, spiritually speaking? I mean, that, those are only goals that you, can, you and God can work on together. But we need to have spiritual goals or we won't. Make any advancements. If you don't have any goals how in life, you don't make any steps towards fulfilling those goals. You sit back, and you just begin, begin to get lazy. Well, something will surely happen sooner or later that will inspire me. You know, God will surely speak to me sooner or later about what He wants out of me. He probably already is. You probably just haven't 
picked it up and started moving. Set some goals. Tell God. Don't tell God like, you know, in a bad way, but, but tell God, God, I, I need direction. Help me to set some goals this year spiritually. Help me to think about where I want to be when, when, I, when I hit two, 2019 spiritually. And then set out on the path to reach those goals. We need to grow up in Christ. We need to grow up in our spiritual walk. And we won't do that unless we, we take out on that journey. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says this, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, this isn't a scripture that tells us, as some would say, tells us that some people were picked by God to be saved and some were picked to go to hell. What this is saying is he knew who would accept him. He knows whether or not you're going to accept him as Lord. He knows and he has set your path in motion. You see, discipleship is a process of becoming like your master. And so... Our idea is we want to be more like Christ. In everything that we do, we want to be more like Christ. And we, can, we really can measure that if we read the Scripture. <coughs> we really can see are we progressing if we take the time to listen and to read and to learn from Him. Numbers chapter 13, verses 27 through 31, And they told him, we have come to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, <coughs> and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land, however, this is not one of those good howevers, are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negeb, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea <laughs> and among the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. See, there's that attitude. There's that doubt. See, God had already promised it to him. See, I, that's the thing. It wasn't like Moses sent him out there to come back to, to tell us whether or not we can take him. Moses simply sent him to spy out the land and tell, him, tell us all about it. <coughs> but what happened was they doubted the promise of God. They doubted the fact that God could really perform what he had promised. You see... And that has hap happened so often in the lives of believers. They doubt whether or not God can fulfill His promises. Let me tell you what, He will. There is not one thing written in this book that will not come to pass. Count on it. God will fulfill His promises. So what happens is then, will we believe His promises? Will we not only believe His promises, but will we act accordingly? So we see in here Caleb 
Caleb says, oh, he come back excited. He come back, he, he come back after seeing the giants and the walled cities and all the, the multiplied enemy that were outnumbered them by far. And man, he come back excited. You ever met people like that? They just come back excited no matter how bleak the outlook is, no matter what it looks like. They come back and say, oh, yeah, man, this is great. This is awesome. We can do this. And we think, are you all right? You see a child, you know, and they, they, just, they just trust, you know. They, they don't see a mountain too big. They just see a challenge. You know, my grandkids, they're going to give me a heart attack. Nothing's too high for them to jump off of. There's nothing they won't do. Why? Because they can. They don't know they can't. They don't know that that's not a good thing. They don't know they shouldn't. No, they just do it. And Caleb came back after seeing the giants and the walled cities and the enemy, and he's excited like a little child. He says, come on, guys. Let's get our stuff. Let's move in. Pack your bags. Our home is ready. Let's go. And then the wisdom of the aged said in, oh, oh no. You did, there's giants over there. There's walls around their cities. Oh, and their armies are massive. They've got the latest weapons. They got it all, guys. There's just no way. And they're simply saying, our God can't. Our God can't. How many times have you done that? Come on, be honest with yourself. How many times have I stood before God and said, that can't be done, God. Saying, God, you can't. Doesn't matter what you said. Be realistic, God. Do you not see what I see? Obviously, no, we don't see what he sees <laughs> because he sees victory. We see fear. We see anxiety. We see problems. We see a huge mountain. And God says, I want you to be a mountain climber. I want you to, to look at that mountain not as something that is so massive that it can't be overcome, but as something that can be conquered. God's help, with His promise, with His Word, with His Spirit, it can be conquered. Caleb had moral courage. You see, we live in a society, and we even live in, in a society where <coughs> those many who call themselves Christians are looking at the Word of God and saying, well, that's not, that's not right. You know, I know what it says in there, but it doesn't mean that. Well, you know, as Christians, we got to accept this and we got to accept that. we got to love people. We have no excuse not to love anybody. Does it matter their depth of sin? Does it matter their skin color? Does it matter their occupation? We have no excuse not to love. We don't have to accept everything. Did Christ accept everything? 
but did he love everybody? You see, that's where we as Christians need to learn. We're going to have to take a stand. And we can love people and not accept their lifestyle, their behavior, their attitudes. We can love people and still say, you know, that's a behavior that's not going to get you into heaven. We won't go into all the judging and all that because that's a whole different, different thing, but the Bible tells us that if you, if you help a brother see the error of their ways and you bring them back to him, you save their soul from hell. So we see that in today's society, too often we don't have the moral courage to say, well, God says. Well, the law says, no, God says. Can we fight every law that we don't agree with? No, we're not going to. But does that mean we have to accept them? No. Does that mean we don't pray that God will work something out? No. We, as Christians with moral character, have to stand against the things that are against God. You see, those ten spies were standing in direct opposition to the Word of God because they said, we cannot. When God had already said, you can. You see, we live in a world that says you cannot. When God has already said, no, you, you can. You cannot stand up for that. No, God says you can. But it takes a person of great character morally to do that. You see, too many of our young people, as they go off many times before, even before, but as they go off to college, as they go into the job place, there's so much pressure on them to accept the moral compass that the world has adopted. To accept that that's the way it is. But God says, you live according to what I say. You see, I guess it depends on your goal. If your goal is to please everybody, um, you're in trouble if you want to live according to the word. But if your goal is to please God, then you better live according to the Word. You see, Caleb didn't give in to fear. <coughs> Worry means to strangle or choke. Studies show that worry impairs vision, causes heart disease, gastrointestinal problems, ulcers, alcohol abuse, and suicide. One lady claimed that since 90% of what you worry about doesn't happen, that was proof worrying works. Now, honey, I know you've said something very similar to that before. So, I mean, hey, don't believe it. <laughs> I don't think that's not scriptural, no. But the fact is that Worry and stress cause so many negative things in, in the human body. And God wants to replace that. For scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. You see, fear can literally make you helpless in a fight of any kind. Whether it be in the spiritual or in the natural. Fear can paralyze you and grip you so much. 
Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. And as, as soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. You see, even the kings and all these people, they were so afraid <coughs> that their hearts melted. And then the children of Israel didn't step in and take advantage because of fear. Instead of seeing God, they saw the mountain. They saw the obstacle. Matthew chapter 14, verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Again, this is Peter. Peter's, Peter had faith, right? He said, God, or Jesus, if that's you, ask me to come out of the boat. Jesus says, well, come on out, Peter. And Peter, you know, man, he's all excited. He steps out there. He's seeing Jesus. And he's focused on Jesus, you see. And when he's focused on Jesus, nothing else mattered. But he lost his focus for a split second, didn't he? Ooh, he began to see the waves. Well, wait a minute. And the wind's blowing. Wait a minute. Maybe I can't do this. Wait a minute, Peter. You're already doing it. Well, maybe it's not possible. What do you mean it's not possible? You're already out of the boat. And fear won. Jesus reached out and picked him up, or picked him up by the hand and walked him back to the boat. You see, Peter had moments of brilliance in between moments of fear and doubt. And many times we're like that, aren't we? We need to recognize those moments when, when God has called us out and called us into a moment, and we step out, and we begin to walk in faith, and then the devil really comes after us. And then things really look like they're starting to fall apart. And then you start to think, man, I was better off in the boat. I was better off before I started going towards Jesus. I was better off when I just kept my mouth shut and didn't act like a Christian. Really. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now that's not me. That's Scripture. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now therefore, Judges chapter 7, verse 3, Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. You see, there was a war about to take place. God had a plan, and He knew all this was happening, but He said, listen, out of all your warriors here... If any of them are afraid, tell them to go home. And 22,000 of them said, I'm afraid. I'm out of here. I'm not ready for the battle. You see, too many times I think God wants to do something great and he wants to use us and we get afraid and we don't want to get into the battle. We don't want to get into the fight. Why? Not because God hadn't ordained us to. Not because God hadn't called us to. Because we're afraid. Well, what if we don't win? You see, here's the thing about a battle with God. When God says, hey, you're going to win this battle, let's go fight. We still get afraid sometimes, don't we? Just like the children of Israel, he said you're going to win. If you will do what I tell you to do, we're going to win this thing. 
But the fact that they still had to go fight scared them. The fact that there were still giants and mountains and walls and enemy still scared them. You see, the real giant in this story was the man who saw God. The real giant in this story was the man who said, you know what? There is nothing my God can't do. There is no promise my God can't fulfill. There is no giant my God can't slay. There is no mountain my God can't take me to the top of. That was the giant in this story. That was the one who was the real big guy. You see, Caleb at 40 years old had walked around that mountain. Caleb, when he was 40 years old, had walked into that country and he had walked into that, onto that mountain and he had walked and, and as he did that, he saw something big. He didn't see the giants that lived there. He saw a place that God was going to give him. He saw a future home. And Caleb wanted to go there now. Imagine the disappointment when Caleb got back with the other spies and he was ready to move in. He thought it was moving day. And he got back and he got with all of his buddies and they got back and they began to tell the story. And he's all excited and he's ready. He's probably gathering his family up and said, hey, we got a spot picked out. God's already gave it to us. And he gets back and everybody, well, we're not going. Why aren't we going? Well, because we can't. We can't beat them. We can't whoop them. They're bigger than us. The mountain's too tall. Can you imagine Caleb's disappointment for the next 45 years? Knowing he already had a piece of property purchased. Not by him, but by God. He already had a place to live and it was sitting there waiting for him to show up and he had to keep biding his time with all these unbelievers. All these people that didn't have faith to step out. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that everybody over the age of 20 died because of their unbelief before they ever got to the promised land again. Before their second opportunity came around, they were gone. But Joshua and Caleb, because of their faithfulness, God says, oh, it's coming. Can you imagine 45 years of God saying, well, it's coming. How many times do you think Caleb might have said, God, can we just go today? I'm ready, God. Give me a couple of people to go with me, and I don't care. We'll take them all by ourselves. God said, no, just, just wait. We're going to get them ready. We're going to get them ready, Caleb, but it's going to take some time. I don't know, maybe Caleb... You know, he's thinking, working out, you know, stuff. I don't know, getting, you know, every day he goes out and sharpens his spear. Every day he goes out and does a few push-ups. Every day he, he gets his stuff ready, thinking maybe today's the day when we're going to step into the promise. But God says, no, not today, Caleb. Not today, it's not time yet. Keep working on it, though. Keep sharpening your spear, because one of these days I'm going to cut you loose, and you're going to go home to the place that I promised you. See, what is your mountain? What is it that has seemed to present itself in front of you that in the natural you can't get up? In the natural you can't see how you're ever going to climb it. In the natural you can't see how this is ever going to work out. 
Because if we look down inside of us, we'll see that each one of us has a mountain that the enemy wants to place right in front of us. And what he wants to show us, he wants to show us is all the reasons why God's promise can't work out for us. It might have worked out for so-and-so, and it might have worked out for so-and-so, but they didn't have the same mountain that you got. See, remember, Caleb chose a tough place to go. He didn't choose a nice little green pasture to, to set up. He had chosen... He had chosen the mountain because he knew God was able to deliver. I, I don't know if maybe he was just had so much faith. He says, God, give me the toughest place out here and I'm going to take it. I'm going to prove you to be the God you said you are. You just give me the hardest place. Give me the tallest mountain and I'm going to go. Give me the biggest people to whoop. Story, it's not a real good story, probably. But my dad was kind of ornery when he was little, when he was young, and they moved up from Arkansas and they didn't have nothing. They got made fun of. My dad got tired of it. So whenever they went to a new place, he picked out the biggest kid, and he whooped him. He said, "I wasn't getting made fun of anymore. My family wasn't getting made fun of anymore. I'm gonna whoop the biggest guy, and they'll all shut up." You see. Caleb, he had so much faith in God. He wants, I want the biggest challenge you've got, God. Don't give me no wimpy little challenge. Give me something big. Are you willing to say, God, I don't want just the ordinary. Anybody can do that with a little bit of your help. I want something that's going to take me a lot of faith. Now, I, I'm telling you what, that ain't something that you just ask for out of, for fun. That's something you've really got to have a passion for God. Say, God, here's, I want something. God, I want, I want to work for it. I want you to, I want you to put, give me so much faith that I see the biggest, tallest mountain, and I step up and I begin to climb it. What is your mountain? Caleb was ready to go with God. You see... If we have the right weapons, we can do it in the natural. If I go out to a knife fight and I got an AK-47, as long as I'm good on the trigger <laughs> and I got bullets, thanks for reminding me to bring the bullets. If I go out in the natural and I got the natural weapons and, I, and I've got the bigger weapons, I, I guess in the natural I can win. God's not asking us and calling us to do stuff in the natural. He's calling us to do stuff in the supernatural. He's calling us to have faith. The greatest weapon that Caleb had wasn't the weapons of war, but it was faith. The thing that all the other ten spies lacked, they, they had a good army. They could whoop up on with the best of them. But they had no faith. Caleb says, I don't need all that stuff. I just need God. You've promised. See, that's the thing about this. God had already promised them to give it to them if they would just go and step in. See, I don't know what God has promised you this morning, but some things He has promised you. 
He has promised you a hope and a future if you will step into him. He has promised that he will never leave you or forsake you if you'll just walk with him. He has promised you eternity with him if you will just follow him. And too often we don't have the faith to make it through the little bumps and hurdles of life. I'm, I'm not discounting some of the things that happen a lot. There's some big things that come along. There are, there are a lot of things that can shake our faith, but they don't have to shake our faith. You've got to trust. His grace is enough. No matter what you're going through, no matter what mountain seems to have presented itself, His grace is enough. You see, Caleb was 40 and he was ready to fight. It didn't happen. At about 80, they started to enter into the promised land and Caleb had to go. Caleb didn't have to. Caleb went and they, they, they took all the other areas until it was time for Caleb to take his. So by the time he got to his home, he was about 85. And he was just as ready as when he was 40. See, maybe you think, well, you know, I had a passion to do that a few years ago, but kind of, you know, I want you to know it doesn't matter where you're at in life, what age you are. God wants to rekindle that passion in you and that strength in you to do what he's called you to do. You're unique. You're you. God has given you something he hasn't given me. He's promised you a mountain he hasn't promised me. He's promised you a victory he hasn't promised me. And it's up to you. It's up to you to go after it. You see, we all have a choice to make when we come to those moments in life. We have a choice. Am I going to choose to follow him into victory? Am I going to lay back? Maybe wait. And maybe he'll just give it to me anyway. And end up in defeat. The thing Joshua knew when he began to conquer his mountain is even though God had promised it to him, it was still going to be a fight that he was going to have to be involved in. Even though God had said, this is your land. It's yours. Every time they conquered it, they had to go to the fight. They had to show up. God did the miraculous, but he only did the miraculous because they showed up. If you're sitting back and you're just waiting, and God is calling you into the, into the battle, and you're sitting back, and you're waiting for the right time, and you're just not seeing the time to step in. You're never going to see the time to step in. You need to make the time to step in. You need to say, okay, God, you've promised. You're going with me. I'm going in. You may have to scrap, and you may have to battle. But God will be with you. I think we all need to realize we can be mountain climbers. We can all be mountain climbers. We should all desire to climb the mountain that God, that the enemy has presented in front of us. And God says, that's yours. That's victory is yours. Take it. But will we be ready? <coughs> you see, it's also a decision that we have to make. A conscious decision to say, I will go. Some of us this morning 
need to reevaluate the kind of relationship we have with God. Is it the kind of relationship that trusts Him? Or is it the kind of relationship that says, well, God, if you will do this, you know, show me, God, and maybe I'll step out. Or is it a relationship that says, God, I, you, I know you're there. I know you're leading me. I'm going to step out. And I know you're going to go with me. I know you're going to lead me. I know you're going to strengthen me. And I know that you're going to defeat the enemy. We need to pray for the impossible to take place. We need to pray that the Spirit moves in such a way that we see the impossible. Because in man's eyes, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I'm not just bringing a message this morning that has no meaning to me. I... I, I, can put, I could have sat right beside any one of you this morning and listened to the same message and, and, and got, I need it. Because I, like you, many times I see things that I should do or I need to do or I believe God wants me to do. And, I, and, what I, and then what I see is I see the reasons why I shouldn't or can't. And it's a lack of trust. So this morning I, I, I see 2018 as an opportunity for us as, as a people, us as Christians, to say, God, we are going to take some mountains this year. There are some things that I've been laying back and waiting on and some things that I, I haven't, I haven't taken, taken on because I've been afraid. I've had a lack of faith. But this year, this year, God, we are going to go. We're going to climb that mountain. Lord, this morning I thank you for each one that's here. And God, you knew before 10 o'clock this morning who was going to be in church. I, and I thank you that you also knew who needed to hear this message, including myself. But Lord, it's more than just hearing the word. It's more than even liking the word. But God, this morning it's it's whether or not we will put your word into action in our life. Lord, I pray that there wouldn't be one person in this place <coughs> that would leave here without making a commitment to putting your word into action in their life. I want you to just this morning, I just in your own way, just begin to tell God, if you, if you want if you want this to be a part of what 2018 holds for you, if you want to be a mountain climber, I want you just to begin to tell God that you want Him to fill you with the kind of faith it takes to be a mountain climber. Lord, I just pray over each one in this place, including myself this morning. God, give us the bold faith it takes to be mountain climbers. Give us the bold faith it takes to see the mountain and see the obstacle and see all the reasons why it shouldn't happen and say, yeah, but I serve God and He will give me this mountain. He will give me victory. I see it all just like everybody else does, but I see my God as the victor. And God, may this be a year, of, of, a year that defines us as people, Lord, that we step out in faith and we see that mountain conquer.
Lord, today is the day. Now is the time. We step in to the promise. I pray that you would go with us, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be faithful warriors in your kingdom. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. I bless you.